Welcome to the Crossing Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit our website at thecrossing.cc. All right, open your Bibles. We're going to continue on uh, in our series, John chapter 11, of these encounters with Jesus. And uh, as, as you head, head over there, let me go ahead and remind you as well. Um, next week, we're having three services, 8 o'clock, 9.30, 11.15. Everybody say 8 o'clock. The reason you said that was, my question to that is, will you come to that service? And uh, so I'll just take that as a yes. So we're, we're needing to get folks into that 8 o'clock service because the other two are, are going to be where our, our guests are going to be coming. If you're not serving uh, in one of those other services, or if you don't have a friend coming, if you have a friend or somebody you've invited, then be there with them. But uh, we, we need some of you just to be the early birds to get up and come join us at that 8 o'clock service. So that, that'd help us with the room. So uh, anyway, we appreciate that, anybody that would, would help us with that. By the way, uh, find your friends. You'll hear it at the end of this message. Please, next week, we, we want you to bring your friends any and every time, but we are specifically shaping the service next week so that uh, you can bring a, a lost person, uh, uh, somebody that isn't church, somebody that doesn't even know what lost or saved means. Bring them. That'll be a great service for them. We're going to keep it right straightforward. For all of you, uh, again, KGO veterans may be looking for a deep theological revelation next week. Next week's probably not going to be the week I'll preach something like that. I'm really anxious to speak to the hearts that are kicking the tires and going, what gives with church? What, what is this all about? I'm really going to be speaking to them. The Spirit of the living God will be here, and Jesus will be calling their name, and we'll have a whole bunch of people come to know Christ next week. So if you would like your friends, your family, your son, your daughter to be among those, it won't be because of my lawyer-esque argumentative, uh, you know, apologetic uh, argument that I present to them. It'll be because the Spirit of the living God does what he does, and he opens a heart. And uh, they get to say yes or no, but uh, it'll be way more than how well we do the church services. So anyway, uh, that all makes sense. We're in these, uh, thank you, Pastor Reggie. Uh, <clears throat> so uh, we are in these services and just getting to know Jesus. And it feels like we're going to be, you know, next week we're going to land the plane on this Jesus series. And it doesn't even feel like we've gotten the plane just, you know, at, at 30,000 feet yet. But uh, today, it obviously, it's Palm Sunday. Everybody say Palm Sunday. This is the time when the church around the world is celebrating when Jesus came in and basically was the first time, you know, all, all the other times people would say, you're the, you're the son, you're the Christ. He'd say, shh, shh, shh don't, I, I, don't, I, I, don't get that started yet. And uh, he'd heal somebody and say, now don't tell anybody. I don't know how a blind guy walks around after being healed and doesn't tell anybody. But anyway, he would say, don't tell anybody. So, uh, you know, I guess he sat at the supper table that night with, with everybody looking at them for the first time, and they go, Dad, what's wrong? Nothing. <laughs> you know, he's like... And ordinarily, uh, in any, in, you know, a, a really good preacher would be preaching on that particular <laughs> passage. But let, just, so let me know, th 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 there's a tradition also in the liturgical church that's called Lazarus Saturday, and it's the Saturday Yesterday is when it would be. It'd be the Saturday prior to Palm Sunday. And today I have chosen this encounter of Jesus with Lazarus. And it is because we know that just, we don't know if it was on the Saturday, if it was a yesterday, or if it was a day or two before, but we know that when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, he was basically slapping the religious 
people in the face to say, look, you guys wanna kill me, let's get it on. Because what happened was when he raised Lazarus from the dead, the religious people freaked out and said, well, if he starts raising people from the dead, we're toast, we're gonna lose power. We need to kill him and quick. And that's exactly what happened. And so, um, uh, so open your Bibles to John chapter 11. We're gonna dive right in here. I'll give you the run up here. Jesus is with the fellas uh, in Galilee and uh, around the Jordan. And the reason he's in the Galilee, Galilee's the northern part of Israel, all of you that have taken the tour with us, uh, up there around the, the, the Sea of Galilee. And at the mouth of the Jordan that's emptying off into that, that, uh, uh, to, to the, the Lake of Galilee there, is where Jesus is at, where all the baptizing has happened. Uh, so he's there because things have heated up so in Jerusalem, the religious people are already ready to kill him, and they have left Jerusalem really out of, they don't want to stir up anything. They left that area because the religious are fired up. So, uh, so freeze frame there. Next. Uh, his dearest friends on this planet, uh, the closest thing to family, more so than Mary and his brothers, really, were Lazarus, uh, Mary, and Martha. Okay, Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. Anytime he went to Jerusalem, he stopped about two miles outside of Jerusalem at Bethany. And there was a house there. It was the house of Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. And that's where he spent most, anytime he was settled down, that's where he was, playing cards, watching movies, you know, horsing around, playing, you know, swimming in the pool, all that, or walking on the water in the pool, whatever he did. So, but Howard, that's where he hung out, and those were his dearest, honestly, some of his dearest, most family-like relationships that he had other than the guys. And so, uh, he's in the Galilee, and uh, a messenger comes, and it's from Martha, Right? Now, many of you will remember the story of Mary and Martha uh, in one of the other uh, parts of the Gospels where Jesus is hanging out at the house. Mary is at his feet. This is the same Mary that poured the, uh, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> the, perfu the perfume and the ointment on his feet, washed his feet. Mary was a Mary. Mary was, let's get deep. Let's pray. Let's, let's just hold hands and pray right now. Let's worship. Let's write a worship song. All good. That's how God made her. Martha, the sister, was, uh, you know, hey, let's pray later. Let's get something done. Martha was the person that was saying, look, there's a task list to do here, and the way I serve God, it's not by being at his feet, crying all the time. It's about getting up and getting the dirt, get the dishes clean, you know, paint the house and all of that. And how many of you know a Martha? If you do not know a Martha, I will tell you one of the strongest Martha anointings I've ever seen. We are privileged to host here, and it's in Zondra Green. And I don't know if Zondra's here in the service, but Zondra, hey, y'all give Zondra a hand. Zandra would make Martha look like a lazy slob. <laughs> Zandra walks in a room, and this is a gift. This is, again, Martha's, Mary's aren't better worshipers than Martha's. They just worship differently. What they bring to Jesus is just different. And here's the beautiful thing. Jesus stayed at the house, not of Mary and not of Martha, of Mary and Martha. And he had to do, the reason he chose that house is because if it was just Martha's house, Jesus would have never made it to Calvary because she would have worked him to death. Because that's, that's what a Martha will do. She'd have had him painting and building and doing cabinets. Like, Martha, I got to go to the cross. I came here. I didn't come here for this. But if it was only Mary's house and she sat around with a guitar just playing, you know, minor, you know, chord and singing and all that, he'd have starved to death. So the reason Jesus built the house that he's comfortable in, it's made of Mary's and Martha's and all kinds of continuums in between. And we're all a mix of that. But you lean one direction or the other. And here's the thing. Praise God. We need them. And uh, right now, we need some Marthas. Now, we, we're getting a lot done around this, this church. I'm telling you. Anyway, thank God 
for that. Martha sends message, right? She's the one with the clock. She's the one that keeps the calendar. She's got the, she sends a message and here's what it says. Jesus, uh, Lazarus, your friend is sick. And if you don't get here right quick and in a hurry, he's gonna die. We need you to move right now, okay? Um, the fellas are listening to this and the fellas start saying, well now hang on, uh, because Jesus' answer to her or to the messenger was this, he's, he's not sick unto death. In other words, this isn't, this isn't gonna end up in death, uh, he's just asleep. And so the disciples said, well look, it's not really healthy for us to go back to Jerusalem because they're wanting to kill us all anyway. How about we just hang out here in Galilee and when he wakes up from his nap, he's just gonna be happy. And Jesus said, fellas, I don't mean sleep, sleep. I mean, he's dead, he's dead. And, and then they said, well, so what do we do? And he says, nothing. We're gonna sit right here. How many of you are uncomfortable that our God, who loves us, who's been to our house, whom we serve, gets a prayer from us, understands it, and instead of answering it, he says, just wait right here. Let's do a whole bunch of nothing. I'm uncomfortable with that. But I do know this Jesus because he's done me that way many times. We'll talk about it in a second. And so finally, after, after waiting two days, they start to make their way to Jerusalem, to Bethany. And uh, when they get there, Martha's in a tizzy. You know, the, 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 the funeral procession has been four days. And uh, four days because in the Jewish tradition, uh, for three days, the mourners would be out there by the tomb because they, they felt like the soul of a, of a person would come back and visit that body, trying to reenter it. This was their tradition. This isn't Bible. This is just their tradition. And after the third day of mourning, they would all leave and go back to the house, and it was a, it was a, a multi-week kind of thing. So Jesus has waited four days so that everybody knows Lazarus is gone, gone, gone. And then he shows up, to Martha and Mary and the group. So let's just jump in there. Uh, John chapter 11, verse 20. And it says, when Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary stayed at the house. Martha said to him, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. There's some faith in that, right? Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he'll rise with everyone else at the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him. I have always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world. She runs back to the house to get Mary. Uh, jump to verse 32. So when Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been there, my brother would not have died. To which Jesus replied, yes, your sister just said that. Verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him and he was deeply troubled. Freeze frame, look right up here for just a second. Uh, thank God for uh, Eugene Peterson and the New Living Translation because up to this, the time those two translations were made, this was always translated, the Greek word was translated, Jesus was deeply troubled, which made you to think, well, he saw Mary, you know, sweet Mary was crying, and so he starts choking up, and he's troubled because of that. The, the Greek word is a, a, is, the, is a word used that the Greeks used when their horses were going into battle 
they would begin to fire with adrenaline when they saw and they knew that, that, that uh, there was gonna be a war, there was about to be a battle, and these horses would start to move around and snort with anger is what it really means. Jesus was snorting with anger, raging, like a pre-fight trash talk, let, this is going down type adrenaline. Are you tracking with me? It's important that you get that because it's a part of this story that's been uh, a bit overlooked. Where have you put him, he asked. They told him, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus wept. The people who were standing nearby said, see how he must have loved him. But someone said, this man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? So that's the third accusation toward Jesus going, you did it wrong, you came late, you should have got it done. I know there's nobody in here who's ever said, God, you should have done it my way. But apparently there's other people besides me and these folks. Verse 38. Jesus was still angry when he arrived at the tomb. A cave with a stone, check this picture out. He's, he's a week, week and a half away from this picture. Jesus was still angry when he arrived at the tomb. A cave with a stone rolled across this entrance. Roll that stone aside, Jesus told him. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he has been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. Remember, this is Martha, the clean freak. She's got Lysol out. She's passing out hand sanitizers. Whoa, whoa, you can't do this. This is she's freaking out. Get a mask. Get the children a mask. She's, she's being Martha. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You've all, you always hear me, but I say it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe you sent me. Notice he didn't ask God to do anything. He just simply thanked him. You know, I'll show you what that means here later. Uh, then Jesus shouted, all right? He's angry, he's snorting. He says, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, hands, hands and feet bound and grave in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth, Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. That's really the, the burden of the church, unwrap him and let him go. Well, this, this passage and this, this part of scripture, I bring it to you today. I've got two burdens really on my heart. And one of them is for everybody here who's been in the shoes with a Mary and a Martha, like, like me, and honestly, I know that God's brought some folks here today that uh, you, you are either despairing, disappointed in God, you're wondering why you prayed right, you prayed accurately, you did all the technique right, you believed, you did everything right, and it didn't turn out. I want you to see in scripture two people who interceded, that's what they did, they sent prayer to, to God, Jesus. Jesus knew what their situation was, he loved them, and yet he didn't move in their timing and on their schedule. Has anybody else here ever prayed and asked God to do something, but while you're asking, you're also in your mind thinking of how he needs to get that done? That's just normal. It's just normal to all of us. And so my first point to you is this. Place your faith in the person of Jesus, not your plan for Jesus. Place your faith in him, a person, not your 
scheduled, worked out plan. Martha had this thing worked out. Martha's not only have a five-year plan for their life, they'll give you a five-year plan for your life if you just ask. And they don't even understand why you hadn't asked. Martha had this thing worked out. And she knew, Jesus, you need to show up this way. And here's what she was learning. Precious Jesus, even, even being moved by sympathy didn't do anything except for he got orders from the top. He did not go because he was afraid of what was gonna happen to him, Jerusalem. That didn't phase him from going. And he didn't move to go because he was sympathetic, because he loved him. He was waiting for his orders from the top, all right? When he got there, they all, they all said the same thing. You're late. Thank you, Martha. Mary shows up. You're late. Thank you, Mary. And then the crowd says, you're late. Thank you, fellas. I mean, everybody's accusing Jesus, and this is common to us, gang. We might not say it because we're too spiritual or it would feel undignified. But if you're gonna believe and follow God genuinely, you're gonna have faith, not just in him, but you're gonna have faith that some outcomes, some circumstances are gonna move, and you're gonna hope in that. And some of them aren't. They're not gonna go the way you thought it would roll out. And the natural response to hoping for something and it doesn't happen, the natural response for all of us is this. You're disappointed. You need to try to act spiritual and try to act like, no, God, I'm not disappointed. No, yes, you are. You're not only disappointed, sometimes you're mad and you start accusing God. And some of you are here today and you're kind of on the bubble with regard to your faith anyway. Because once you start making a list of everything that you're mad at God about, you can get a pretty good list. You start making stuff up and just coming up, well, if you'd have done this and if you'd have done that, and that's what they were doing. If you'd have done this, if you'd have done that. Here's what I want you to know. You're not abnormal if you do that. You're normal. It's a relationship, right? It's a relationship. You have expectations. Here's what the scripture says. The scripture says that uh, we make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. We ought to make a plan. We ought to think to ourselves, Lord, not only is this what I want you to do, but here's kind of how I'm expecting you to work that out. Here's what you need to know. Hold the plan loosely. Keep faith in him strong, but hold the plan loosely. I love that when Martha was confronted with it, and he kept saying, look, I am the resurrection. I am. Martha said, well, I know if you pray to the Father, he'll do that. He was basically saying, the resurrection isn't in heaven for me to pray down. The resurrection is as present in this very moment as death is present in that tomb right now. It's here. And, And life is more powerful than death. Martha, do you believe? Well, I believe that you're the Messiah. Here's what I love about that answer. What she is saying is, I don't understand what you're saying. You're making me crazy, Jesus, to be honest with you. It's all gobbledygook. Here's what I know. I prayed. You didn't come. I'm disappointed. You should have been here. I'm a little angry. However, here's where my anchor is. I know you're the Messiah. You're the Son of God. Now, gang, I want you to know something. Place your anchor, not in outcomes, but in a person. Sometimes the outcome will come, you'll get get what you're asking for. Sometimes it'll be late, and sometimes you'll just scratch your head. You guys have all heard my story, or many of you that have been here have heard this, but back in the early 90s, praying for my sister. My sister had a cancer, and we, man, we had the right people praying, the right people laying hands on it. We had all the techniques back in the early 90s. It was all about prayer technique and believing this and claiming this and saying it this way. There was a lot of technique 
to faith. And we checked all those boxes we had Kenneth Copeland paying for. We had Larry Lee, who was teaching the planet how to pray. And we had all kinds of people, when she did pass away, come and tell us, you did it wrong. I mean, just, just you did it wrong. You got it wrong. You didn't, you know, you had her sin in her life, all this kind of stuff. There's still a woman that I wish I'd have punched, and I didn't, but that's another thing. <laughs> I'd have been out of jail by now. But we, we, here's what we did. We stood and we prayed and we believed God, just like these prisoners. We knew he heard us. We knew he was sympathetic. We knew, he, and it didn't go the way we wanted it to go. And here's how it got resolved. I had a conversation with God, and I said, angry, disappointed, made you look bad, makes me look bad. I don't, there's nothing good about what just happened. And here's what the Lord spoke to me. He just said this, Randy, uh, this was, actually, this was, she, was in, she was in her final weeks, and she was dying when I had this conversation back in the back room. He said, Randy, if she doesn't live, are you still gonna trust me? Right? So I sat down on the little bed in that little room back there, and I, I wasn't quick to answer. I was like, let me think about it. Isn't that reasonable? But I thought, of course I'm gonna trust you. Just like Martha, you're the Messiah. I know you're God. I don't understand why you do things and why you don't do things, and I don't understand why. Is anybody up there, anybody wear a watch? Is our calendar anywhere with you eternal beings? But nonetheless, that's where it came down to. And gang, here's what I believe about today. There's some folks in this room that are disappointed, and it's okay. He knows. There's some of you that you're thinking, I prayed, it didn't happen, so it's over. Whatever you pray, it's, just, it's over. You need to know, hmm, maybe not. I have found this about God. He is always late. For all you type, all you Marthas, he will drive you crazy. He's always late for my comfort. But he's not late regarding what he's up to. He told the fellas before he went, I'm waiting, guys, one, so that God gets more glory and so that your faith will rise. I'll tell you about a great man in Scripture. Great man in Scripture, uh, Jeremiah, who, who uh, if you j- j- study the guy, godly, prophetic, made the book in uh, Lamentations and Jeremiah, a godly, godly man, And Jeremiah would sometimes be so disappointed and so accused God, he would say things like this. I I wish I'd have never been born. He would say things like this. Thanks a lot, God. Thanks a whole lot. I believed in you, and you have been like a deceptive stream to me. He spoke his mind to God. Pastor, are you saying that's okay? I'm saying whatever you're thinking, he already knows it. You might as well put it on the table and talk about it. He can handle it. Isn't that the great thing about God? He's not religious. He's not trying to market some look of something that ought to be idealistic. He's like real. It's like, look, this is, this is down and dirty, real where I'm at. He loves to meet with you when you'll get right down genuine and go, this is where I'm at. I don't get it at all. I'm mad at you right now. I, and I, he can handle it. Jeremiah did it all the time. I'll show you one little spot. Uh, Lamentations 3 says, I'll never forget the trouble, the utter lostness, the taste of ashes, the poison I've swallowed. I'll never forget it. I remember it all. Oh, how well I remember the feeling of hitting the bottom. But 
there's one thing I remember, and remembering I keep a grip on hope. God's loyal love couldn't have run out. His merciful love couldn't have dried up. There created new every morning, how great is your faithfulness. I'm sticking with God. I say it over and over. He's all I've got. God proves to be good to the man who passionately waits, to the woman who diligently seeks. It's a good thing to quietly hope, quietly hope for help from God. It's a good thing when you're young to stick it out through the hard times. Worry will rise, fear will rise, disappointment will rise, discouragement will rise. These are not indications that you do not have faith. How you respond to those things is where your, your faith will get tested. He is hard to figure out, and if you're waiting to figure out, you're never gonna figure out his timing, his plans, and his ways. Sometimes you don't know whether, is it my faith, is it you? Sometimes you just have to go, God, I don't get it. I just trust you. I just have to put my trust in a person. Everybody tracking? If you're here today and you're in those shoes today, God brought you here just to reassure you, I still know you, I'm still aware. Don't take my lack of action as an indication of lack of love. Just trust me, all right? He knows things we don't know. Number two point I find in this, and this really has to do with a, a call to our church and a call to you, and it has a lot to do with next week. I loved and got into watching Jesus walk up on this scene. There's death, there's decay, and Jesus, he didn't fall on his knees crying. He's getting mad. He's angry. He's firing up. He's readying for a fight because he knows death is the final enemy, it's what the scripture calls, it's an enemy. We talked about Jesus being the lion of the tribe of Judah last week, right? Lions are fiercely territorial. They're not indifferent about another lion or an enemy coming into their territory. They can have territories as much as 400 square miles and they walk it and they growl and they huff because they, do, they wanna make sure all the other lions know, this is my kingdom, I'm here, nobody else allowed and I will whip you if I have, will kill you if I have to, to take care of business. Jesus, the lion of the tribe of Judah, comes up on an enemy lion, death. Life and death. And death was never prescribed by God. God never desired that anybody here fear death or even have to, to go through dying. I think because Jesus has now overcome death, we as believers can get to a point where we're not afraid of, of, of going through death's door, but the dying process is, a, is still a residual of sin being on this earth. And when Jesus walked up on it, he started enraging, saying, this, has, this was never meant to be, and the death and the dying that's happening right here, the smell of decay, I never meant for this to be. This is because of sin, and this is the result of sin, and here's what the scripture says. The wage of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. The wage of sin, and he's looking right at, at death, and he's walking up on it. Here's what I want you to do. I want you this week to begin to fuel your anger. This message is called the anger of Jesus. I want you to begin to fuel anger, righteous anger, over the death and the smell of decay that is all around us. Your friends, my friends, young people, somebody in my mind right now, precious godly young man that got trapped 
into a wrestling match with, with drugs and continually has to fight for his life and his freedom. And what that is is Satan coming to a called, life-given human being and trying to squeeze the life out of him, not necessarily just his physical life, but the life that God created him to live. Sin comes to choke that out. And he is in a fight, and when I think of him, I'm compassionate for him, but there's an anger that a life is ticking by, and sin is choking it and wrapping it, and it's in there. I want you to think of those people that have been hurt in church, that you know they were once in church, and they got a, a thought about God because one of us tripped or hurt or somehow did something to them. And, and gang, we've all been hurt. All of us get hurt, gang, in church because there's nothing but humans here. And some of us believers, we get more involved with the rule book of the Bible. We look for the rules of the Bible instead of looking for the person of Jesus in the Bible. And I spent my share of years doing that as well. And I'm sure I, I can remember messages I preached at 17 and 18 while traveling with a band. And I think, oh, dear God, I hope nobody heard a word that I said. Because all it was was a bunch of just guilt. It was just an angry Christian yelling at people because they were sinners, instead of being angry at the sin and compassionate to the people, I just threw it all into the same pot. Gang, the reason I, 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 I just caution you to handle your politics and your faith very carefully is because in politics, you get angry with people, right? You get angry with Pelosi's and whoever else and Trump's or whoever. Faith is not angry at people. It's angry at the bondage behind it. Jesus was firing up going, death has claimed my friend, and death is about to let go. And that's when he said, Lazarus, come up out of there. Who he was speaking to, Lazarus jumped up and went, oh my gosh, is that you, Martha? He was scared, like, did I forget to paint something? But he heard the voice of Jesus say, Lazarus, jump up. Who he was speaking to was death. He was saying, death, last day for you, my friend. Let him go. If he had not specified the name of Lazarus, every dead body, any place on the planet would have jumped up at the authority of the life-giving Jesus that said, jump, fire up, get angry. I want to encourage you to begin to think and pray about the people. And here's the thing. Pray about the ones that you think are dead and gone. I mean, th there's no hope for them. They're as hopeless and helpless to be salvaged by salvation. You've talked to them a thousand. You know, oh my, there's the people that are trapped by the, the sexual identity, the, the, the homosexual and the transgender and all of that, we can go, get all political and start getting angry at the people. Stop that. Get angry at the sin that's choking the life out of them. Get compassionate for the people and begin to speak, speak their name in intercession. What did Mary and Martha do? They were intercessors. They were going before Jesus because Lazarus couldn't do it for himself. How many of you know that when you were dead in your trespasses and could not get before God to call to speak your own case, somebody went to God for you and stood when you couldn't stand for yourself, didn't know you even had to go stand. Jesus stood as your intercessor and said, God, would you save them? That's what we do. The spirit of the rescuer, speaking to some hearts today that you've been a Christian so long and it's been so long since you've been moved by compassion. And please hear me, I say it with compassion. I've been in and out of this lots of times, so I'm not barking at anybody, though my voice is fired up a bit here. It's because there's a freedom to feel again. And sometimes we go through the church motions for so long, we, for, we start to lose feeling 
And one of the ways that you know it is you start to lose compassion for the lost, compassion for those that are in grave clothes, compassion for them. And your heart freezes up and it can get so frozen. It's spiritual leprosy is what it is. I can't feel anything. I just don't feel anything. It's not a thing to be ashamed of. It's a a thing to bow your knee and say, God, if you don't fix me and heal me, I'm just gonna die a cold, religious leper. Do you know the beautiful thing about Jesus? Everybody else was scared to touch a leper. He'd walk right up to him and go, I'm not afraid of that. And there's some of us in this room, just crusty old Christians, just done church so long we forgot what the point was. Looked at our Bible so long we forgot we're supposed to be looking for a person. We're just looking for the rules and judging everybody. All of us can slip into that. We're just plain old humans. There's there's healing for that. So I'm speaking to all of us as ministers. Let's take that on. Let's get our hearts softened. And I'm speaking to us as well just to know whoever the Lazarus is in your mind, dead, gone, wrapped up, not going to be here. I want you to start to, to get angry. Just get angry with Jesus. I don't mean unrighteous anger. The, the rules of unrighteous anger are these. Be angry and sin not, and start early in the morning because it says don't let the sun go down on your anger. So if you're going to enjoy your anger, you need to get it down before the sun goes down. All right, so that's a side note. Righteous anger, you can sleep on that. Righteous anger is, you know what? The smell and the stench of decay across our society. I'm not just gonna t- just be indifferent about it. It's the thing I love about Jesus. No one was ever indifferent. You either loved him or hated him. No one was ever like, hey, cool. You were, you were radically one side or the other. That's the way I, we ought to be. N- not, not incompassionate for people, but the pointedness of the power of what Jesus brought forced responses. Non-response was not an option. I mean, you, you had to do something. That's the beauty of the spirit of the living God dropping in on us. Gang, the spirit of the living God is on our church, and he is calling us to begin to speak to the Lazarus. So in your intercession time over this week, what does that mean, Pastor? It just means when you're praying, when you're in your car, when you're by yourself, you call their name. And don't say, oh, no, dear Lord, would you please? I mean, don't don't go Mary on me. Uh, This week, I want you to go Jesus on me. Lazarus, enough. Get angry. I speak to the sin. I speak to the sexual immorality. I speak to the identity issues. I speak to the the wrong perceptions of who God is. I speak to the death that's wrapping that person up and entombing them. And I say, let them go. Let them go in the name of Jesus. Call their name out. And next week when we come here, we're we're just going to believe the living Jesus because he's here right now, by the way. There's some folks in here that you're going to get your name called in just a minute. You're not even going to know what it means. But you're going to sense the living Jesus say, you know what, today's for you. You don't have to wait till next week. Come out of that tomb you're in. The last thing that Jesus said was what he's speaking to all the church. Unwrap him. Let him go. Unwrap him. Take all of that religious trapping. Stop that. Pull that stuff off of him. All the bondage. That's what church life is really all about. It's the continual freeing of the people that are coming out of bondage. It's a transformation. All of us are in that process to one degree or the other. You tracking with me today again? Can we bow our heads? Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that you are here. The spirit of the living God is here. And Lord, I thank you that even in this moment, you're doing a work. In this pastor, in this pastor, Lord, to soften my heart, to bring sensitivity to it, Lord, that I would look in people's eyes and not judge them, not break out the rule book, 
but be the, have the spirit of the rescuer. Lord, I hate the stench of sin and the death it's causing on this per- person, but I love this person. I thank you that the spirit of the living God is upon this church. As Pastor Dallas was telling us Friday, the spirit of God is upon the crossing to preach the good news, to set the captives free, to declare the the day of vengeance, the day of vengeance of God on his enemies, and one of those enemies is sin and death. We declare the day of vengeance, God's anger toward what sin has done, the entombing of sin We declare the day of vengeance that God is not standing for. It's not angry at the person. Angry at his enemy. And Lord, over this room right now, men and women trapped in lies and old wounds and old hurts and all kinds of things that have created an argument that says, I don't trust God. I don't think he's good because some of his people have not been kind to me. In the name of Jesus, would you break right through And thank you, Jesus, that you're compassionate, you're loving, you're gracious, and you're wonderful. And I thank you that you're speaking to some hearts right now and you're calling names and you're saying, come out, come on out. Today's your day. Today's the day of salvation. All heads bowed and all eyes closed. I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. And if you'll believe this prayer as we pray, today you will be saved. Everyone praying after me, Heavenly Father, I'm a sinner and I've sinned against you, and I'm fully responsible. Please forgive me. I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He lived for me, he bled for me, and he died for me so that I could be saved, so that I could be forgiven today. I believe you raised him from the dead And I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I surrender my life. Do anything you want with my life. And thank you for saving me. Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Find more of our podcasts on iTunes or in our audio library at thecrossing.cc.